Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another episode of Narrowgate Podcast. My name is Ben Hoover, and uh, for anyone who's new listening to this, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, So, uh, which means that I focus on relationships and... Um, and just actually a little side note about that. Uh, if you haven't read some of my writings or listened to my podcast episodes, and I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this, but um, I have this theory that most of our like emotional personality disorders, things like that, uh, are the result of relational, what I would say, misalignment, right? So if we were to... Uh, I'm, so I'm currently seeing a chiropractor who's doing a, like a six-month treatment plan on me because I've been having a lot of just various pains. Like, you know, I'm 33, getting close to being 34, and I've got like knee pains. Like, I feel like I'm 80 years old, you know, and uh, I'm sluggish, not sleeping well, pain in my back. Um, it is not pretty. And what's interesting is, is I've learned from him is that when there are these... Um, subluxations or he would talk about kind of uh these sort of these misalignments in the spine that have built up over years uh it starts um it, it begins to block like the nerves or affect the nerves from receiving transmitting messages to the brain and for the body to heal itself so uh so once you start making those adjustments in the spine the hope is that a lot of the symptoms that we might experience or whatnot start to go away because the body is meant to actually heal and correct itself the way that, that we were built. And so, um, so anyway, so I use that as a parallel to, uh, to the experience when we have like emotional struggles and issues, uh, and they manifest in symptoms, which actually the, the disorders are really, uh, um, how do I say it? the disorders are, the manifestation of neglected emotions and the emotions really are communicating to us um, when we're not connecting to ourselves, when we're not connecting to others. And so when you actually start to attend to that, uh, you start to listen to yourself a lot more and things begin to kind of adjust and take shape and you start to learn what you want, don't want, um, what's healthy, not healthy. And so anyway, that's actually a good segue. I wasn't even going to say that. Uh, because I want to talk about the heart. And, you know, it had been on my mind, I would say maybe in the last several months or off and on, you know, just about the the heart. You know, what what is it, right? And and because the heart, we're not talking about the the beating organ. Uh we're talking about something that's that's a little more intangible, but it's felt, right? Like the heart or the soul. Um, it, it's what moves us, right? The, the, just the physical body responds really to the heart, to the, to the inner most part of ourselves that stirs and moves us and brings life, right? It's, it's what we might call the wellspring of life. Um, what, uh, what drives us, what centers us, what excites us, uh, it's, it's where we feel alive. And so anyway, so you know, I grew up in the in a Christian community, and um, and and for me, 
most recently, probably in these last couple of years, like faith, what I've believed, religion, all that stuff has taken just a very different shape and form. Uh, it's wonderful and it's terrifying at the same time. So anyway, so when I'm talking, obviously I'm referencing some of the stuff that I've learned. Um, I will reference scripture at times uh, because there's so there's so much beauty in it um, that I think maybe, uh, obviously this is my opinion, but uh, I think it's been drastically distorted. And so anyway, so I, I wanted to really center on the heart today. And I just did a writing, I'm going to post that. But uh, but for any of you who maybe uh, grew up in religious communities, Christian community or not, and maybe you heard some of this rhetoric before, uh, you know, we're, heard, we're, we're told, well, by the way, my window's open, so if you hear creatures stirring or people moving around, uh, it's, it's the mic picking that up, so... Uh, so just a little added sound effect. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, yes, so uh, there's been statements made about the heart that have been really kind of saturated in judgment, right? So, like, I have things listed like, don't trust your heart, you know, we're kind of warned. Uh, it's filled with evil intentions. It'll lead us down a destructive path. And to some degree, there's some truth to that, but but I think there's a reason why we start going down destructive paths self-destructive and, and other destructive, um, you know, we, we hear like emotions being kind of vilified really. And I, and I use that strong language because I think in a sense, it's like, don't trust your feelings or, you know, just kind of, you know, uh, they should be, I, oh man, I wish I could remember what a friend of mine, how he would quote it, but he was, he was saying that it should be, it shouldn't guide you. It should be kind of sort of, uh, by your side sort of thing or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm, I am terribly misquoting that. But anyway, so, but we hear various statements made towards even emotions, right? Vilify, don't trust it. Um, when people are emotional, you can see people react with eye rolling and, you know, or they try to talk intellectually or, or cerebrally towards a person and they really miss like what the emotions are saying. And so the intellect tends to be more glorified, um, you know, we're maybe instructed, like, think about the other and how they would feel, right? And, uh, or consider what it would be like if someone else held you in unforgiveness and then let that motivate you to forgive when really it's kind of a, um, the, the feel of that is still judgment. Like, why are you still in unforgiveness kind of thing? Or feel, have unforgiveness. Or just focus on God and what he wants and what's pleasing to him, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure all of this has developed really out of a reaction of the destructiveness that the destruction that humans have done, right? The evil acts that have been committed throughout history, right? The um uh but but the judgment and I think the avoidance of listening to an acting of the heart has been really in circulation for quite some time. I think we don't know how to attend to that part of ourselves. And because it lacks understanding, because we fear it, we avoid it, uh, maybe we act out of it uh, impulsively, uh, unconsciously, we, we end up sort of setting up roadblocks to this part of ourselves. We don't want to go there. We don't want to touch it. We're afraid, right? And, uh, and so, and, and that's actually the opposite of 
what I think we're called to do, what I think we need to do. Uh, when we avoid our heart, when we don't listen to it, we don't honor it, when we judge it, when we push it away, uh, it, it, it really leads to uh, so many problems. And I think this kind of avoidance and obstruction has really been the cause of the problems in the world. I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, really destructive stuff like murder, other violent acts, torture, whatnot, um, you know, terrorism, mass bombing, things like that, suicide, addiction, racism, uh, compulsive relationships, sexual issues, uh, sexual, uh, um, like rape, uh, other abuse, affairs, etc. All of that exists because I see it as the lack of attendance to our own hearts and others' hearts, too. Both, both simultaneously are affected, right? When we don't know how to interact and engage and embrace and welcome what's going on in our own heart, then we're going to do the same towards others. Uh, you know, if, if we're going to respond cognitively to our own hearts, so what I mean by that is not just feeling through the emotion and letting that lead to understanding. We, we block out the emotion by trying to think, why am I feeling this way? What's going on? But then we're going to do that to other people, uh, inevitably. If someone is feeling sadness and we're going to try to uh, help them feel better instead of just being in the sadness with them. Um, you know, and, and let me go back to, you know, if we do that for others and we're doing that to ourselves. So if we feel sad, we want to try to make ourselves feel better until allowing, instead uh, of allowing ourselves to feel sadness and letting that lead to feeling peace, feeling relief. Um, but it might require uh, feeling a lot of sadness. So if we don't, if we end up treating ourselves in that way, then we're going to end up responding to others the same way we treat ourselves. So, which is, isn't that what Jesus said? Which is nothing new. He didn't come up with this in a way, but he twists it in a way that was more positive, where he said, you know, treat others the way that you want to be treated. And so, which is an interesting statement, because when you really home in on that, what he's saying is you got to know yourself. If you, if you want others to treat you in a certain way, then you've got to know like how you want to be treated, how you want to be cared for. And so many of us have such a, has had such a distorted experience or painful wounding experience of what love and care is. It's all entangled with, with really painful responses from loved ones in our lives. Anyway, so, uh, so I would say that it's it's, you know, probably fair to say that the human heart's been pushed in the shadows. It's hidden. It's been a shamed part of ourselves. Um, but it but regardless, even when we push that stuff in the showers shadows, we ignore it, we judge it, we you know, uh, it's it still steers the ship. We start acting out in ways, and then we we're scratching our heads wondering how the hell did I end up here, right? And when we feel more shame, like say we go out and have an affair or um or we beat the shit out of somebody right i mean you know just bludgeon them you know and 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 then we feel this either this welling of pride like i mean not a healthy pride of i'm proud of myself and i'm satisfied with myself it's it's uh it's almost this inhuman uh or non-human pridefulness of feeling above another person. 
rather than this personal satisfaction of, um, man, I love, I love that I did that. I love that I achieved that. I love what I've learned. This is very different. And so we either have this kind of pride that elevates ourselves before somebody else, or, or, um, we feel shame and we pull away and we hate ourselves even more. And so, and what that does is it prevents ourselves, us from learning what happened, seeing what happened. And, and when that gets blocked out and we live unconsciously like that, uh, without awareness, we just continue back into the same things like we would normally do. So if you're wondering, why do I keep going back to this? Um, yeah, that's a good question to ask yourself without judgment is, huh, I wonder what got churned up in me. I wonder what I'm looking for, right? So, and by the way, and I hope this isn't confusing because now I'm going down all these little side roads, but, um, and I just lost it right now as I'm talking. Uh, maybe it'll come back. Anyway, so back to what I'm saying. So the, the, the heart is the engine to, to what we do in life, to where we engage, where we go, where we invest, what we pour into. And when we ignore it, push it away, we judge it, we live externally focused, right? Like just based off of the decisions of others and whether they're pleased or not, um, our heart's eventually going to take over, right? Making unconscious decisions. And we, and we end up operating in this like hostage passenger uh, position, right? Just totally confused, completely lost, feeling ashamed, which buries, buries us even further in... I don't know what the hell just happened. And it really starts happening. Like literally our heart starts driving us into places and we don't know what's going on and why we acted in that way. And, uh, and so, and that all is that to say is that the heart or the soul really, I see it kind of interchangeable since the guiding force of life and to disconnect from it, to live disconnected from that part of ourself, it will manifest in problems that really are the problems start to manifest because they blatantly signal to us that we've forgotten ourselves. So if you think about it, let's just go back to just physical pain, right? If we continue to ignore that pain, it's going to worsen. It's going to grow. It's going to create more and more problems. Um, but all of that is, is just to indicate that, dude, you're not paying attention. You're not really listening to what's going on. You need to care for this. So the same thing exists in the emotional realm, that when it starts manifesting in crazy anxiety disorders like OCD and, um, you know, or other kind of controlling-based uh, ways of living in the world, the, all of that is just indicating that there's something that is not being felt or attended to or cared for in ourselves. So let me continue to clarify that the heart, I believe, is the communication center, it's the compass, it's the fuel to living and loving vibrantly. And I think yet it's been taught often in religious communities that it can't be trusted. And again, there's always a reason for why we have these belief systems, why we say those things, why we, we have a certain perspective. And I think because for a long time um, we've lived in fear of our heart. Uh, but it's that, unfortunately, it's the fear and the avoidance Really, not not the fear itself, but the avoidance in response to the fear of looking within that actually creates the problems. So, um, but I also hear stories of those, and I, 
I think I was one of those people too that in the Christian community that live tormented, trying to figure out what does God want, right? Would would you know as if that was even conceivable? Like, well, what if He's angry or disappointed or ashamed or distant or you know abandoned me or us or? And I think then to reconcile these disparaging perceptions, thoughts that we have, we overwork ourselves, we start altering our behaviors, we you know, set up these little security systems to prevent ourselves from going there, and we white-knuckle basically day-to-day to avoid steering into disaster. And, man, that is the complete opposite direction of where I think we need to go, which is actually to steer right into our hearts. So, because what starts happening is when we keep pushing stuff away, all right, and push stuff, and push and push and push, like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, for instance, uh, let's just say someone's addicted to uh, weed, um, and and now they're trying to change their life. They don't they don't want to be high all the time, and so they start you know putting up understandably so parameters of like, okay, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know bolt myself into my house. Um, you know, that's all well and good, but it actually creates kind of a weak internal system uh, to some degree that that really what it does is it inhibits us from learning why we turned to it in the first place. So when we're so fixated on, I, I can't do this, well, inevitably, we're going to want to do it more, and we miss what emotionally is driving us, what the need is in that why why we are going to it. So for me, I don't particularly advise just shut off all communication systems to or or all connections to whatever we struggle with. I'm more take the bent of okay, when that happens, we'll come back and let's talk about it. Like what was driving that? You know, it sounds like you were feeling anxious. It sounds like you were pretty angry. It sounds like, you know, you were craving relationship and felt incredibly alone or empty or whatever it might be. So, um, so, but when we really push the, the, the substance, the, the attachment object away from ourselves immediately when we're in arm's length of it, Oh, we're going to go right back to it. So nothing's really changed. We just stopped ourselves from going into it. Um, for a time being. So we've, we've put distance instead of learning the deeper reasons why we turn to something. So anyway, um, so what I think what we believe is helping then uh, is really only cultivating, perpetuating, exacerbating issues. So uh, the root, which I would also say is the deeper truths, are never actually engaged and explored. Instead, we live terrified of facing, say, the past, um, you know, the, the things that are sometimes driving us in our present behaviors is, is uh, unresolved past uh, exploration, um, connecting to the pain from all that, and then thus it perpetuates disconnection which then I believe leads to like depression and anxiety or other disorders, all again of which communicate disconnection. So depression, for the most part, aside from it 
like being kind of chronic um, biochemical depression is really about something something being avoided in ourselves. Anxiety is the expression of something has been avoided. Something something in our our soul is trying to communicate like stay with it because there's something coming up. Um, I think I shared my story or, or an experience I had in the last podcast a few weeks ago where I had this incredible overwhelming experience of anxiety and I knew that there was so much emotion in it like part of it was sadness but even when I started full of sadness that I didn't find relief and so I stayed with it knowing that if I tried to go to sleep uh, because it was it was getting later at night uh, I would be tossing and turning I would not feel at rest whatsoever so I stayed and what I mean by stayed with anxiety I, I paced around I just let it be there and eventually what started to come up was this incredible anger. And once I felt that and felt through it, uh, it went away and I felt tired and I went to bed. So, uh, so but the questions that I pose here for everyone is, is, who's listening is, what would happen if we actually attended to the heart and interacted with it? What would change if we listened to that voice within ourselves that was shouting to be heard and known? What if knowing this part of ourselves can only truly exist also in the realms of relationship, where it's a mutually reciprocating engagement of being seen and known? In other words, intimacy, right? Because we can, it's interesting, but we really need others to help us know ourselves, right? And vice versa. We help others know themselves. We don't tell them what they need to do or should do or, um, you know, I mean, there might be a place and time for that, but we help them understand emotionally what's going on. That is true intimacy, which I think I'll cover that maybe in the next podcast or two. But anyway, so so this so being able to know and interact with our hearts also happens in the context of being engaged relationally with others, where they help us to know and see ourselves, and we do the same for others. And so I wonder how. If, if this were to shift, like, what, what would change personally and beyond? Um, you know, have you ever kind of had these moments where you feel so lost and confused after you've reacted some way? Like, you just blow up at somebody and you feel really ashamed and you feel embarrassed and you feel just completely confused and utterly blindsided by what happened, right? Or, or how it lingers and it deeply troubles you even to the point where you feel despair or you want to pull away from the world or you know or what about when you feel this experience this feeling of condemnation within yourself right all of these are going to come up they're natural responders to our actions but if we stay stuck and suffocate within these states then we'll never learn what happened what we're in search of the 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 deeper reasons of the reactions we have so i believe that the, the greatest decision that we can make in life. I do. I really believe this is that when we when we actually listen and understand our own hearts, it's the only way that I believe things will change for us. That compulsive and addictive behaviors and or unconscious actions will stop. They'll cease. So it's not gonna be let me just alter my behavior. So I'll okay, so I um, am compulsively looking at pornography so maybe I'll uh, start working out more, right? Uh, no, because the reality is, like, those are different needs, by the way. 
you know, pornography is obviously pointing to this desire for sexual connection, for intimate connection. Um, working out isn't that way. So I have to really kind of begin to embrace this stuff in ourselves. And I think that when that happens, it'll really uh, turn down the intensity, the, the habit, the compulsive behavior, the addiction. So I think the goal is to continually grow in greater awareness and, and that we no longer carry on in life detached or disconnected or lost, and that um, this will all shift when we boldly listen to that voice that's going on inside of us. So, um, so on that note, if so let me present a different scenario to, to back up my argument there, right? Because, again, what I'm... Why I'm sharing all this is because I really want to emphasize just how important it is to to care and listen to and act out of our own hearts. Because that's that's what moves us and drives us. So it's really not about living or pleasing others. Or sad to say, for those of you who uh, have who have some kind of faith, who believe in God, um, it, it's not even about pleasing Him. And this might completely go against and counter what's been taught. You might even stop listening at this point. Oh, well. But, but consider, just for a second, the repercussions of living for the desires of others, including God. So imagine this, when we're always looking to see what others will say, or God will say, or what He wants. Or we're asking questions in the hopes that maybe He'll respond or give us clear direction. or Then, then we miss that the answers are, are often laying within our own selves. They're actually there. We're so busy looking for other people and their approval and what they're going to say. And, and I, I've encountered this with friends, with, with people close in my life, um, people that I've experienced intimacy with. Like, they're wondering, like, well, what does God want? What does he say? And, what, and all of that ends up really just being a projection um, because you don't know like this, what this mysterious being is wanting. And, and could, because what's happening is we're not listening to what's going on in us. The answers are not outside, they're inside. Why does this bother us? Why do I feel anxious? Why am I turned on? Why do I want to still connect with this person? Why? I mean, all of that stuff, right? And, and when we move out of that place of listening to the emotional realm and what we desire and what we want and what moves us, uh, that's when we get lost. That's when we get confused. That's when we start to feel directionless. So really... That, that goes to say that this, or again, it brings back to what I said, is that the compass is stirring inside of us. It's directing us. So, um, so let me add more to that example, or by, to what I just said with another example. So uh, we might agree that a child, that as she grows, right, as she grows, she continues to to live always pleasing her parents, afraid of their reaction. Um, we, we might agree that that's not healthy or purpose in life. So let's just take ourselves out of the equation and let's just observe somebody else. There's this child and she's always vying for the, for the approval of her parents, right? And as she gets older, that doesn't change. She's wondering, you know, do I... Do I go here, dad or mom? Do I go here? Do I make this decision? Do I not? Do I, what do I do? 
and uh, and she's always going to be anxious and wondering, and are you proud of me? And you know, she might even think, oh man, I I I just aced this presentation, and so now what? And or now what, Dad and Mom? Like, are you proud of me? Are you not? Or uh, and, and and if they're, oh, you know what? Hang on, I've got the phone ringing. Sorry. I'm just going to let that ring. So anyway, um, if you're hearing a phone, then that's what's happening right now is the phone is ringing. So back to what I was saying. Boop. All right, back to the child thing. Yeah, so when she becomes an adult, then what the it, it starts to create problems that she's trying to always please and base her decisions off the desires of her parents. So we all agree that the that the purpose of that in life is, is that that's not the purpose. It's not healthy. So the desire is that she actually really lives listening to her own heart. That she uh, enjoys what brings her joy and fulfillment, and allowing that to impact and affect people in a way that moves and stirs them to live fully. Which, by the way, is I what I believe is true evangelism is that people experience the light and joy that someone radiates because they're connected to themselves and they live enjoying what they do in life. So, um, so you know, so we would all maybe agree that we would encourage her to live compassionately caring and knowing herself, to encourage uh, her to express her needs, to feel and articulate her anger and pain and to understand her own limits and strengths. So why don't we do that to ourselves, right? So, uh, however, you know, again, when she's fixated on her loved one's responses, always wanting them to be satisfied, she's going to pull, she, inevitably, she's going to pull away from herself, feel lost and tethered to the always changing, shifting, elusive desires of another. She can't, no one can figure out what, what pleases the other person. No one, really, like, because they're always going to change. You know, I've lived that way with one of my parents for a long time, always wanting their approval. And and when they're not happy or they disapprove or whatnot, man, that 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 gets me wild and and anxious and unsettled. So um so really is is so vital that we live operating out of our own selves of what we're okay with and not okay with, what we enjoy or not, what is healthy, what isn't. So um, so to do otherwise creates disconnect and a chasm from our own hearts. Uh, for those of, of us that have experienced various forms of relational trauma growing up, like abuse, neglect, uh, even particularly neglect of emotional needs, many of us actually have experienced that. And when I say neglect, obviously I don't mean in a severe form but it could be in some shape or form that there's emotional neglect there's this invalidation of our feelings right it's oh stop crying or you're okay right like how many of our parents or we see parents say like you're okay you're okay instead of um crying with them right or saying oh my god you're so sad or like i was at a friend's house the other day and uh their daughter had, was swinging around a necklace and hit uh, some part of the kitchen and understandably so took it away and she cried right and and at that point 
you know, I didn't want to overstep my welcome, but at that point, like, and she was so cute, this little, like, I think she's three, or, yeah, th about three, and, uh, and she's so precious, and she, like, it was the cutest thing, and I was so, oh, torn up about it, but she, like, squatted down and covered her hands and just cried, and I wanted to just get down there with her and just, you just respond to how sad she was. And um, she was so picking cute about it. And and so, but I, you know, I didn't feel comfortable at that time. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't want to step in because I'm not the parent and they have their way of parenting. But that's how I felt and, 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 you know, wanted to really just validate and hear emotions. It doesn't mean she got the necklace back because she was swinging around, but it was something that probably needed some attendance in some way. So anyway, back to what I was saying. So yeah, so when we experience... Uh, certain forms of trauma, relational trauma, you know, including abandonment, a parent maybe pulling away emotionally, other shaming responses, it actually throws off the internal compass. Now we live fine for parents' love, uh, trying to create stability in the parent, get them to come back to us, maintain harmony, uh, and then we grow up unconscious and avoidant of our own emotional guide uh, that communicates when something's on, when something's off, when we're connected, when we're not. So these type of environment, environments in our family creates disconnect from the self. And so the parent's role is, and which I find to be a sacred role, is to help the child know their own selves within boundary lines that, that create safety and trust and the experience of being loved and valued. The, the child's loving guardians carry a very, seriously, like a very vital, important task of guiding the child to attune to their own hearts and to sharpen self-connection. <laughs> this is such a beautiful and special position. Like, honestly, I can't wait for that day when, when I'm a parent and I'm able to do that. Now, obviously, it's going to be hell. I have, I have family. I have close friends that, you know having sleepless nights raising their children like obviously it's gonna be it's gonna have some pretty crazy stormy moments but i also just love the idea of loving and raising and pouring in to a little one and allowing them to live and grow and and i and i so can't wait for that even in a marriage where i can experience this intimacy of being seen and known and seen and knowing the other and us growing, developing, coming more into our true selves together. Uh, it's, man, it's spiritual, it's sacred, it's, oh, it's beautiful. So, uh, where am I? Because now I'm off track again. So, okay, back to the environments, right? So, when we develop out of environments where any kind of caring, some, you know, these forms of caring was lacking, right? Like being loved, valued, validated, uh, help the parents helping the child attune to themselves, listen to that, right? Um, then we'll struggle to actually know ourselves and move out of, out of the heart. And when disconnection continues, our hearts will lead us into places, even if we're unconscious, right, that, that scream for us to listen. And all the behaviors and the emotional fuel it runs on, whether we realize it or not, uh, is about connection. And I think we need to see it that way. Uh, I, I hope that you'll see that that way, that what you do is to feel connected with others, uh, to feel connected and, and aware and attuned and in tune with yourself. Um, 
So, yeah, so we, we can't actually turn off our heart and our desires uh, because such needs are going to start surfacing in other ways, be it addictions or fantasies. Um, everything we do is driven by need, the need to connect uh, to ourselves and to others, right? So, believe it or not, I believe the goal is to live not driven by external praise or validation, but an internal way of being and moving in the world, satisfied by our own efforts and listening to what stirs in us personally. I think living out of this position allows us to care for others because we know how to care for our own selves. We know when to rest. We, we know when to connect with others. We know when to uh, have moments to ourselves. So, like, for instance, and I've been struggling with this in myself because, you know, I'm not, I, I can be extroverted, but I don't live always having, feeling the need of I have to stay connected with everybody all the time and talk and, you know, go out and party and all this stuff. And it's fine if other people want to do that. But I think, in a way, I think there's some disharmony in that um, to always live in a way, just always being around people when I think in some ways there's this need to be by ourselves, to listen to ourselves, to have moments alone, um, to connect in that way. It may not be how we recharge, but, uh, but it might be important. And, and I notice that sometimes I'll judge myself because man, I don't, you know, I don't spend time with people all the time, every day. <laughs> there's a lot of times where I just don't want to connect with people. And then there's moments where I start to feel, okay, it's time, right? It's time to connect. And, I, and that's what I'm talking about is when we listen to this in ourselves, not forcing ourselves or judging ourselves or feeling like, man, I've got, I just got to go out. I've got to, you know, I feel really lonely or empty right now and I need to cure this. And no, that's not, I don't know if that's what's best either. Um, but I do think that when we become more in tuned what's going on in us, we'll, we'll begin to know when it's time to hang out and spend time in, in, uh, with friendships uh, socially, and then times that I just need the space for myself. Um, and so, so I think when we start to care for this in ourselves, uh, and when we face our own pain, or hurt, loneliness, longing, emptiness, then our sexuality, all of that, then we, we can care for it in others. We can help them face theirs. And when we connect to ourselves emotionally and actually listen to what is uh, being communicated in them, then our response to this part of us is one of welcoming and, and not quiet. And so I do find it to be a great challenge to live out of my own heart. I really do. I struggle with it. I get lost in the other. How do they feel about me? What do they want? What do I... And... and and I have to return back to myself and direct those questions back to me of what do I want? What do I need? What, what's going on? And sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I'm lost. Um, but it's vital that I stay in contact with that part of myself, stay in touch. And, and when I do so, I actually begin to live more in a different way. I grow, I heal, I respond to the world in a drastically different way. I know when to interact and intervene and when not to. Um, when, when I feel led to help somebody and when I'm not. So my experience of life takes on very different shape and I'm moved 
by this faith, like I talked about last week, this faith that exists within me, which is communicated through an emotional stirring, right? Just think about it. It, it is emotion that drives us. It's not cog cognitive. It's the emotion. It's the feeling. It's, that's the fuel that drives us. So, um, so I, it's paramount that, paramount that we orient ourselves in this way. To, to do otherwise ends up perpetuating a disconnected self. Um, and, and the heart is really is, most, is the most powerful, alive, moving force within us. And it's constantly messaging our needs and what's healthy versus unhealthy. And, uh, and, and when we actually draw near to our hearts, then we encounter the wellsprings of life. And in order to listen, we must silence the judgment that comes up that interferes with the voice of, of life. If we can get out of this, I should, and how could I do this? And we might begin to hear things a little more clearly. Oh, that's why. That's why. Like, I think I shared a while back, or maybe it was in a writing. I don't think I did a podcast yet. But I went through a breakup. This was uh, the other year. And, uh, <laughs> and I wrote a blog post about it. And um, it wasn't good. Like, it was, it was really kind of tearing a lot of things that she said apart and of course she read it and and understandably so that hurt and uh and then she ended up texting me and this was like last december i think and and i just freaked out and i ended up i think later on that day re like responding to her like with this really self-deprecating um self-pummeling text of how could I and I shouldn't have done that and it was so messed up and afterwards like the next day I was talking with it with with a family member and this person's response <laughs> was not helpful and I had all this shame start coming up and I started to hate myself and I felt panicky and anxious of why did I do this and as I began to actually articulate that and express it and get angry it was the craziest moment but something clicked for me and I realized Oh my God! Whoa, this is what this is what happened when I was young. This is what I would do to this parent: is I'd beat myself up to restore relationship because there was the severing, and that's exactly what happened with this ex-girlfriend. And that was a revelatory moment, and and this waking up for me, and the judgment went away, and the shame went away, and beating myself up, it was really powerful, but I had to really fight through that judgment and that shame to, uh, to come in contact with what really was driving that. And it was something much deeper, it was something very young in me that I experienced in my childhood. So, it was a cool story, it was a really cool experience for me. And so, so... To kind of summarize this, the goal in life is to live increasingly more connected and intimately engaged with our surroundings, enjoying who we are and the uniqueness of others, and developing and deepening in love for all. And it begins when we start acknowledging our own hearts, when we start loving that which is within us, when we listen to those moments where we want to beat the shit out of ourselves and say, why did I do that? And, 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 and instead of judgment, be able to look at like, why did I do that? You know, like, why, why, why did I go to that place? How come I reacted the way I did to that person? What was happening? Oh man, I got scared. Or, oh man, I felt really hurt and pain. 
or man, I got really aroused and turned on or whatever it is that you might feel shame or judgment for. So um, it's a bold, uh, a bold change, a bold shift, but it's a worthwhile one. And it might help you not only learn about yourself, but learn about others and help them to understand themselves as well when they're lost in the throes and confused and hating themselves when you can hear clearly the simple need inside which is it sounds like you really just wanted to connect it sounds like you really just wanted to relate to someone it sounds like you really wanted to feel love whatever it is right i'm just throwing out examples and may may that may you do that to yourself may you encounter the beauty of your own heart the beauty of it right because it's when we avoid it that it can lead it down evil pathways. And what I mean by evil, I mean where there's the, the siphoning, the sucking out of life, where there's a destruction towards ourselves and towards others, instead of this increase in enhancement of life and enjoyment and vibrancy. So it's when we steer away from it that that stuff starts to happen. And, uh, and I'll go into that more. Uh, down the road of why I think evil exists, why addictions exist, um, talk about shame, all of that. So, uh, but for now, I hope that that encourages you. May that may it encourage you to live out of your heart, to attune to your heart, to listen to it, even if it feels messy and scary and ugly, and uh, and you have to grip tightly as you go in facing what happened, facing what you were feeling, facing what the pains and the hurts and the wounds and all of that. And, uh, and may that lead you into living more connected. Till next time.